strength away. Prayer. And uh, in the very first chapter of the book, and I'll share it with you, it's, uh, it's in the first century B.C., it's a true story, there was a great drought that was going on in Israel during this time. Now, you have to understand, historically, God had really not spoken to the people of Israel for three to four centuries. But there was a man, his name was Honi, and uh, he, while, he did not, uh, while he had not heard from God, he still believed that God would listen to his people. And so they were in desperate need of rain. And so what he did is he walked out and he had a staff that he used to walk, and he just simply drew a circle around himself, hence circle maker, drew a circle around himself, and he got down on his knees, and he told God, I will not leave this circle until you bring rain. And so he began to pray. And uh, it had not rained in a very long time, and the people saw him praying, and he just continued to pray and pray and pray, and guess what happened? It began to rain. And whenever it began to rain, of course, it just it excited the people. It was an amazing event. But what the people are able to learn, and hopefully what we will learn as well, is that whenever God has a promise for us, and whenever God speaks, one thing we want to do is we want to go after what God promises his people. And when God lays something on our heart, one thing that we want to do, and that I hope we'll want to do, is that we will, it's like draw a circle in the ground, and we will say, God, I believe you promised this for me, and I'm going to stay in the circle, and I'm going to pray until I see what you have promised happen. And so that's really going to be the focus for us through this month of March. And I believe if we're going to see God move and God do things, then it's going to require us to be active in our communication with God, to be active in our prayer life with God. And so today in our passage of Scripture, I hope that we're going to learn some, some basic lessons on prayer. Uh, the Hebrew people, under the leadership of Joshua, demonstrated through their actions how to pray and how to lay hold of what God promised his people. And so if you have your Bible, we're going to go into the Old Testament. We're going to look in Joshua chapter 6, and we're going to start off in verse number 1 in, in just a little bit. So uh, Joshua chapter 6, verse number 1. And if, as you turn there and look, I'll just give you a little bit of background information. Uh, what had gone on in the previous book is that the Hebrew people had been in Egyptian captivity for 400 years. And then after 400 years of captivity, there was a man named Moses who came along. God appointed him. And Moses came and he led the Hebrew people out of Egyptian captivity. What that means is they packed up their stuff and they left. And they, they headed into a particular direction. Because God had promised his people all the way back in Genesis 12. He said, I have a land that I've specifically laid out for you. I'm giving it to you. And we call it the promised land. And so after just a matter of a few weeks, you know, the Hebrew people, they get up and they begin to leave. And, and they, come to, they come to the Red Sea. And of course, y'all remember what happened at the Red Sea? Yeah, just, uh, it just, it just it split wide open. If you've ever seen that movie with Jim Carrey, it's, it's the tomato soup, you know, right? And it just comes, it splits right open. Except the Red Sea, and the people walk all the way through it. And they come right to the, right to the border of the promised land. God said, this is your land. And, but they didn't go into it. See, they had some spies that went in there, and there's 10 out of the 12 spies. They went in there, and they came back and said, it's great land, looks good, really neat, but there's big people that live there. And they're stronger than we are, we can't take it, and the people turned away from the promise of God. 
And for the next 40 years, they wander around in the desert, back and forth. And then after 40 years, they come back to the promised land. And they're right across from Jericho. And listen, they have, they have, some, they have, some, they have some decisions to make here. Do we go in? And if we do, will we, be, will we be blessed by God? Or do we stay out and miss out on the blessings of God again? See, it was time, it was time for prayer, but it was also time for action. And, and there's some of you who are, who are very similar to this story. You have some various questions about various issues in your life, and you're like, I don't really know what to do. Should I stay or you know, should I go? It's a song. So, you know, what, should, what should I do? And so there's some questions that many of us have, and so here's my advice for you. Pray. Begin to pray, and of course this is called the circle maker, and, and we're talking about today about praying, praying in circles. And so, so how do we do that? What are some steps we can take to do that? And if we're truly going to pray, and we're going to encircle what God has promised us in prayer, it begins with this. It begins with us paying attention. If we're going to pray successfully, we have to pay attention. And if you go to verse number 1 of chapter 6, it says, Now Jericho was strongly fortified because of the Israelites. It says no one was leaving or entering. And the Lord said to Joshua, Look, I have handed Jericho, its king, and its fighting men over to you. Now, I really think it's important for me to say this, and it's this. Just because I want something... And just because I would like something to happen does not mean that it will happen. Uh, whenever I pray, God is not my personal genie. You know, say, God, this is what I want, therefore you need to do this. It's not how God operates. Uh, God, the way God operates is God is going to do what he's going to do. And I have the opportunity, and you have the opportunity, to hop on and enjoy the ride with God. Or to just simply be a spectator and be left behind. Now, I don't want that to happen. And my guess is you don't either. I mean, we want to see God move. We want to go along with the ride with God. And so I look at Joshua, and Joshua wanted the same thing. And Joshua was able to discern. He was able to figure out what it was that God wanted. Now, how was he able to do that? He listened. He took time to listen to what God had to say. His ears were open to God. He spent time in prayer with God. And as he did that, he was able to discern God's leadership and where God wanted him to be in life. So here's the question for you and for me. Are you spending time in prayer with God? Are you taking time to listen to what God has to say? Are you taking time to read scripture to see how God has moved in the past and how he wants to move in your life today? And I think one of the number one questions that, the, that ministers are asked is this, what is God's will for my life? What is it that God wants me to do? What is the purpose that God has for me? Have any of y'all ever wondered that before? Why am I here? Yeah, okay, I, I'm, I'm right here with you. I, I want to know. So whenever people will say that to me, and I, I hear it very often, you know, wait, wait, I want to know God's will for my, my life, then I'll ask them the question. I'll ask them this. Let me ask you a question. Do you talk to God in prayer? 
I mean, do, do you spend time reading what Scripture has to say? And most of the time, people will respond like this. Well, not really. Okay, then I think okay, this is a common sense issue in a lot of ways to me. So, okay, so you want God to speak to you, and yet you are never picking up the phone to hear what he has to say. Right? So how in the world can I know what God desires in my life when I'm not even spending time with him in prayer? Now, I, I look into our text, and I see Joshua was able to know what God wanted from him because he was listening to God. So, so how did he know that, that God wanted him to take the city of Jericho? Well, if you look in verse number 2, it says God told him. And, and Joshua was able to figure it, out, figure it out because Joshua was listening. If you look in verse number 2, God told him, he said, Jericho, its king, and its army are yours. Here's what I like about this. Guys, when God says something, when God tells you what he's going to do, you can take it to the bank that he's going to do it. When God gives promises, God keeps his promises. And here's my favorite thing about verse 2. If you have your Bible, look in verse number 2 again. It, it, the Lord told him, he said, I have, it says, handed Jericho over to you. Okay, now I'm not an English teacher I'm not like a, you know, a, a grammatical genius, but I'm a Richland II product. The word handed is past tense. Am I right? It's not future tense. It doesn't say, I will hand Jericho over to you. It says, I have handed it over to you. God says, I, I've already given it to you. The only thing you are required to do at this point is to come and claim what I've already given you. I like that. It's already been done. It's just now simply time for Joshua to claim it. Now Joshua would have never known God's promise for his people had he not been listening to the voice of God. And I think many times, a lot of us, we, we don't know what it is that God wants us to do and what he's already given us because we haven't been listening to him. Now I can give you a personal example of this, and I'm sure that you can do the same thing. Now in my life, um, a number of years ago, I was, I was pastoring a church in Lexington. It was the first church I pastored outside of seminary. And after a few years, about four or five years, I really sensed God calling, calling me and Emily to do something different. And through, through a period of prayer and trying to figure it out, it really felt led that, that God was calling us to start a new church. That had never been on my radar screen before. And, I, and then as time went on, I really felt like God was calling us to come to the Blythewood area. Now, I got excited about that. And so I was thrilled to death about it. And so what did I do? I, I resigned from our church. I said, we're done, and we're going to Blythewood. Okay, so very excited about it. But as we started getting closer and closer to it's time to get this thing going, I started getting more and more scared. Now, I'm more of a, yeah, I'm not, I'm not really a detailed person. You just give me an idea, I get excited about it, and I was like, woo, we'll go do it. And then uh, I just leave all that detail stuff to Emily. And so, and so Emily the whole time has been asking questions, like, how's this going to happen? I, didn't, I don't think about that stuff and until it's time. And then I started thinking, what if this doesn't work? Yeah, you know, I've already quit. You know, what, what if nobody shows up? How in the world are we going to eat? And so all these different questions that I should have asked a long time ago, now I'm asking them. And so I started getting scared, and you know what I did? I started praying. I said, oh, Jesus, right? Oh, Jesus, you just talk to me. 
You know, speak to me now. And I, and I begin to say, God, you know, if, if you want us to do this, I need you to affirm me, remind me that you've really called me to, called us to do this. You know, not that it was some bad experience at San Jose's. And I got up and said, we're going to Blythewood. You know, I was like, man, make this real. And I said, Lord, speak to me in, our, in my everyday Bible reading. So that's how I just said, Lord, as I read my Bible today, please have a word for me. And I sat down and I began to read. And I, was, I remember it just happened to be that I was reading through Matthew. And I was reading Matthew 28. And so I was reading in Matthew 28, this is Jesus had been crucified, been placed in a tomb. Some ladies were coming to embalm the body of Jesus, and Jesus had already risen from the dead. And as they go to the tomb, Jesus meets them. And he says this to them in Matthew 28, 10. He said, do not be afraid. Go and tell my brothers to leave for Galilee, and I will meet them there. And as soon as I read that verse, I knew God was speaking to me. And it was just like God was telling me, you go to Blythewood, and I will meet you there. And as soon as I read that, it was over. I was like, I, I, I know what God wants us to do. And I, I'm not saying that we never got scared again. I'm just saying I had a peace that I knew that God had revealed himself to me. This is where we're supposed to be. And from that point on, I knew, and Emily knew, we were doing what God had called us to do. But I would have never known it had I not taken time to talk to God. I would have never known it had I not taken time to look into God's word. I talked to him, God spoke. You know, the prophet Jeremiah, who's one of my, one of my favorite characters in scripture, is a guy that was called, God called him for 40 plus years, said, Jeremiah, I want you to preach a message of destruction, like every Sunday. Yay. So, I mean, Jeremiah's like, that ain't gonna make me popular. And so, you know, after a while, he's like, God, man, I am preaching this message every week. Please affirm me. I'm doing the right things. And God spoke to him, Jeremiah 33, 3. He said, call to me, and I will answer you, answer you and tell you great and incomprehensible things that you do not know. Okay, so here's the deal. You want to know what God has in mind for you? Do you want to know what it is that God wants you to do? Then ask him. Seek him. Be obedient to his word, and you will discover his calling for you. Joshua's calling was to take Jericho, and he knew it because he was listening to God. So as we began to talk about, we're going to pray for things, we're going to circle these things in prayer, we, we have to start with paying attention. Pay attention to God. You pay attention to God by, by listening to him, by talking to him in prayer, by reading his word. Now, but here's, here's another thing. Another step required for us to really pray and to pray and pray in circles, so to speak, is this. You, you circle, you circle the promise. You circle the goal that God gives you. Uh, verse number three. March around the city with all the men of war, circling the city one time, and then God said, and do this for six days. Now, this is, this is so interesting to me. And I, you put your, you try to put yourself in the place of the guys who are supposed to be the warriors. Okay, for 40 years, I've been wandering around in the wilderness because of their, you know, their parents and grandparents screwed it up. And they're like, man, finally, we're going to get a chance to redeem ourselves. You know, we're going to get to go over there. We're going to get to fight. And then so then here comes the battle plan. Joshua comes to them and said, all right, here's what we're going to do. Like, you know, I'm sure they have their swords and axes, and they're ready to charge. He says, all right, what we're going to do is we're going to get seven preachers, seven priests, and they're going to be out front. It's like, what? And they're going to have horns. And they're gonna, they're gonna, we're going to walk around the city seven times. We're going to do it one, once each day, six days. The seventh day, we'll walk around it seven times. And that's our strategy. All right, ready, break. Now, can you, would you be inspired by that? Hey, we're going to get preachers walking in front of us? 
and then we're going to walk around a city, and like, that's it? And they're going to blow horns? And this is not like Sun Tzu's art of war. I mean, they're just sitting there looking at this like, what, what are you talking about? So what's going on here? Well, it was a massive faith step here. You see, God, remember God told them in verse 2, he said, the city's already yours. I mean, you don't have to fight for it. He said, I've already done it. It is yours. Now what you do is you show your trust in me by walking around the city and trusting that I'm going to give it to you. You see, the, the deliverance of that city into their hands was not going to happen because of who they were, was not going to happen because of their power. It was going to happen because of what God they served. And they were called to demonstrate their faith by circling that city. They weren't called to rush in with swords and axes. They were called to walk around the city with seven priests in front of them blowing trumpets. Okay, that's weird. But that's what they're supposed to do. Now, here's what's interesting. There's significance in that. Priests were always excluded from war. The only time the, when the priests were blowing the trumpets, you know what they're blowing the trumpets for? It was to signify the presence of God. And so what they were doing is they were marching around. They were letting their own people know and the people of Jericho, the presence of God is with us. God gave us your city, and he's with us. It's not because of who we are. It's because of who our God is, and our God is true. And they believed victory was going to come. Victory wasn't going to come because of axes and ladders, but because of who their God was. And they, they notice it says that they circled the entire city. That, that was a picture of them saying all of it belongs to us. That when God gives us something, he will give it all to us. Now, from a human perspective, this battle plan doesn't make sense. But this is where we have to come to, and there's times when God will tell us things that we, we don't understand or things that seem, you're like, man, that is such a big thing that you're telling me that you believe God wants us to do. But that's where we have to trust God and trust that God's ways are higher than ours. The Bible speaks of this in Isaiah 55, 8, and 9. It says, for my thoughts are not your thoughts and your ways are not my ways. This is the Lord's declaration. For as heaven is higher than the earth, so are my ways higher than your ways and my thoughts than your thoughts. Okay, so then what's the application here? Well, when God provides us with promises, when God gives us promises in Scripture that apply to us, what we do, we circle them and say, I claim that promise. Because God, when, when God promises, did you know God doesn't lie? Okay, in my own life, here's, here's what's happened for me. 1 John 1, 9 says that if we confess our sins, He is faithful and just to forgive us our sins and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. You know what I've done in my Bible with that? I've circled that. I believe that. In my life, there are things I've done in my life that, I, that are wrong, that are sinful, that I'm not proud of, but when I confess those sins and I bring them to God, you know what God says he'll do? He says he forgives. I claim that promise. Some of you need to claim that promise. You need to confess your sins, and when God says he forgives, that's exactly what he does. I look in Romans 10, 9, another promise. It says, if we confess with our mouth Jesus is Lord and believe in our hearts that God raised him from the dead, the Bible says you shall be what? What does it say? Come on, Richland 2. Saved. There's like eight of us. We've got to do better than that. Okay, saved. Okay, so, so what does that mean? I mean, this is what it means. When God makes a promise, says you trust me, you believe in me, you follow me, you believe that, I, that Jesus lived, he died, he rose from the grave, you will be saved. I don't know what else to say other than I'm circling that promise saying that, that's what it means. And that promise is for me. 
And that promise can be for you. We need to claim those promises and, and say, God, when he makes a promise, he keeps his word. Okay, so what promises from God in your life do you need to circle? I, I really, there's some of you, you need to circle that promise of forgiveness and quit being beat up by the junk in your past that you should have never done, that you should have never been involved in, but you were. But if you confess it before the Lord, he says, I will cleanse you from all unrighteousness. I will forgive you. There's some of us who believe, I am so far gone, there's no way that God could ever take a soul and a person like me and rescue me. And yet, the Bible says, when you call out to him for salvation, that's exactly what he does. And some of us need to circle that promise. Because when God makes a promise, he does not lie. He tells the truth. There's some of you, deep in your spirit, you know that there is a person that God's laid on your heart to pray for. You circle that person in a, in, you put a circle around them and say, God, I believe you've promised that person to me to pray for them, to minister to them, and then you do it. And you pray for them until whatever God said is going to happen in that person's life, until it happens. There, there are people that, that you love and that you care for, that, that God has laid on your heart and you know they don't know Jesus. You need to circle that person in prayer. As God lays them on your heart and say, Jesus, I am going to, I'm going to reach out to that person. I'm going to share Jesus with them. I'm going to invite them into the church. And until they come, you circle that. Believing that when God gives you his word, he keeps it. I, I love in the book that Mark Batterson wrote, he said this in his book. He said, our prayers don't need to be vague. He said, they need to be specific. So the more, more faith you have, the more specific your prayers will be. And the more specific your prayers are, the more glory God receives. Now, here's my question. Will we have the guts to claim God's promises? There's a whole lot of them. Will we claim his promises? You know, I, I love the story about a traveler. He was traveling through the desert mountains and he ran out of water, dying of thirst, happens to see a cabin, he goes into the cabin, it's abandoned, but there's a little, there's a little bottle of water there with a note attached to it. It, it's, it said that on the note, it said, this water's to be used to prime the pump. So the pump's under, under a rock, it said all of it has to be used. So the guy's got a decision to make. I can get all the water that I need to get across the desert, I think, or I can take this water and drink a little bit of it. I might die a day later, but at least I'll quench my thirst now. He has a decision to make. And so what does he do? Well, he makes a decision for the long term. And he primes the pump. All right, guys, just like that hiker, sometimes God will call you and he will call me to pour everything that we have in him before we begin to see the increase that God wants to provide in our lives. You have to be willing, and I have to be willing to trust that we can tap into the deep resources of God. But if it's going to happen, we, we, have to, we have to trust God. I don't know what it is that you have in your hands today that God's given you. I don't know what blessings that God has provided you with, but here's my encouragement for you. Whatever God has placed in your hands, you take what God's placed into your hands and you give it to God. And say, God, I'm going to trust you. And I'm going to trust that you're going to accomplish the dreams and the desires that you have placed within me and how do I pray in circles and pay attention 
You circle that goal. Whatever promise God's laid on your heart, you circle it and say, God, I believe you have given me this. And I will pray for it until it happens because you don't, you don't tell lies. And then the last thing I see is this, third step in praying in circles. is be, Whenever you do that, then be persistent and expectant. Persist in your prayers and expect God will answer the prayer. Now look with me in verse number 12. It says, Joshua got up early the next morning. The priest took the ark of the Lord, and the seven priests carrying the seven trumpets marched in front of the ark of the Lord. And while the trumpets were blowing, the armed troops went in front of them, and the rear guard went behind the ark of the Lord. And on the second day, they marched around the city once and returned to the camp, and they did this for six days. Early on the seventh day, they started at dawn and marched around the city seven times in the, in the same way. That was the only day they marched around the city seven times. After the seventh time, I love this part. The priest blew the trumpets and Joshua said to the people, Shout, for the Lord has given you the city. You know, one, one thing I've noticed is that when things are going well, it's real easy to be a part of whatever it is. You know, there, have y'all you heard of like bandwagon fans? There's bandwagon fans. Right now, it is easy to be a Clemson bandwagon fan. Right? I mean, the last two years, gosh, does it get any better than that? I mean, two, if we play for the national championship two years in a row, win it this year. Man, I, I'm thinking about becoming a Clemson fan. Yeah, you just look at all those things, you're like, man, this is great. It's easy when things are going well. But, it, whenever, but whenever things begin to get a little bit tougher, then, then you start seeing, you know, who the real fans are, right? And people begin to fall off the bandwagon. And we, because we like to only we like to root for those those teams that are always going to win. We like to root for those teams that they're, they're never going to disappoint. All those things. Now I, I look at the people of Israel, and and man, they, they did, there was no real reason to be a bandwagon fan of these people at this point. They've been in Egyptian captivity four hundred years. Now, they, they finally get a chance, and what they do, they blow it. You know, they're like the Buffalo Bills of, uh, you know, like, uh, of, of faith. You know, they, they keep getting real close, but then they just screw up somehow, and then they're wandering around the wilderness for 40 years. But there were some people that believed. See, God had told the people, had told Abraham back in Genesis chapter 12, I will make you into a great nation. He said, I will give you descendants that number more than the sand on the seashore. I, give, I will give you this land. There were some people who were, they, they were expectant. Even though they didn't see it yet, they expected that God would keep his word. And they were persistent. You know, if you look in verses 12 through 14, let me ask you a question. How many times did the people march around the city in verses 12 through 14? Six. The next day, they marched around at seven. What do you think would have happened had they only marched around the city three times? Or if they'd only marched around it six times? Now, here's what I think. Nothing. If they had not been persistent, if they had they not been expectant, then I really don't believe they would have seen anything. Now, Village Church, I believe this. I believe there are some barriers and there are some walls that are in our lives, that are in our, some of our friends' lives, that we see spiritually all around us. And we are never going to see them come down unless we, as the people of God, are expectant and are persistent in our prayers that God's bringing victory. And sometimes I've wondered, how much have I missed out on because I've given up too early? Because I quit too early. How much has our church missed out on because 
because we stopped in what we know God has promised us. Yeah, if, if we're going to if we're going to see victory, we persist. We we run the race all the way through. You know, last year there's a, a good example of this. There was a runner, a college runner from Oregon. I don't know the length of the race, but as he was running, he was coming down the home stretch. He had the race in the bag. And as he's running, he begins to slow down and he begins to whip up the crowd. What he doesn't know is there's a guy from the University of Washington that is running his guts out right behind him. We have a video of it. And it's, it's, I was, I was going to do it live, but it'll be better on video. Let's show that video. Let's see what it looks like. Take my word for it. There's a moral to this story. Yeah, it looked like a coronation for Tanche Pepio. He's getting the crowd. He wants the crowd to cheer his performance. And at the end, he gets pipped. He gets pipped by Marin Simon of Washington. And you just can't do this kind of stuff, Lewis. You can. And you know, you see his face, and you know no one has to say anything. They don't have to explain it to him. He'll never make that mistake again. Why did y'all laugh? Man, y'all are, are mean. Yeah, I mean, so you watch that. Like the guy said, he will never, he will never do that again. When you run, you run with persistence, and you run until you cross the finish line. The people of Israel, the Hebrew people, they, they didn't understand what was going on. We're going to walk around the city six times and do it seven times on the seventh day, but they did it. You don't have to understand. You just do it. God promises, and we'll trust God. I don't understand it, but I'm going to do what God says. Verse number 20. They've done all this, and so the people shouted. The trumpet sounded. And when they heard the blast of the trumpet, the people gave a great shout, and the walls collapsed. And the people advanced into the city, each man straight ahead, and they captured the city. Wouldn't you like to see something like that happen? Because if you will, then you have to pay attention. Here's the deal. What's God calling you to do? What is God calling Village Church to do? Whatever it is, let, let's circle it. Let's circle it and say, God has called us to do this. And I will circle it, and I will not get up from that circle until I see it happen. Now, what about in your life? It could be there's some of you, and you know, and your, your marriage needs healing. I promise you, God wants healing in your marriage. And you can circle that promise. And you can get on your knees and begin to pray. And say, I'm not getting up until I see this happen. There's some of you, you, you have somebody that God's just really impressed upon your heart, laid upon your heart. It could be somebody who is sick and hurting. Maybe you need to circle that person in prayer and say, God, I'm going to circle them in prayer, and I will pray for them to be healed until it happens. You know, for the next 21 days, we're going to be going through this. So here's my challenge for you and for me for the next 21 days. Let's find... Let's ask God. Say, God, I want you to reveal to me whatever it is that you want me to pray for. It can be something small. It can be something big. But say, so I'm going to write it down. Physically, you write it down, and you put a circle around it. So for the next 21 days, I am going to pray persistently for this to happen. Pray for God to intervene. Now, it's, we're not putting God on a timetable saying, God, you got 21 days to answer this, or otherwise it's over. That's not what we're talking about here. We're talking about just simply being obedient. Just saying, God, I want to show you that I trust you, I believe in you, and I will be persistent in putting before you what I believe that you've laid on my heart. I want you to know that there is something I'm praying about right now that I believe God has laid on my heart. And I started praying for it last year, and I'm still praying for it. 
Now, hopefully, I'll be able to reveal, reveal this to you. That, that, but I believe God's going to answer the prayer. And I said, I'm, I'm circling prayer. I said, God, give it to us. Just give it to us. I don't know what it is that God's laying on your heart. But let us circle it and let us see what God will do. I am hopeful that after 21 days, we're going to be able to come together and say, can you believe God did that? Wouldn't that be cool? To say, man, isn't that neat how God has been? Isn't that neat how God moved in my neighbor's life? I began to pray for my neighbor, and all of a sudden, that, that neighbor who's a friend of mine has all of a sudden become very warm towards the things of God. That person's life has been transformed by the power of God. My marriage has there's a life in it now that there's never been before, or it's been years. Guys, we need to be circle makers. We need to encircle so many things in prayer and let us begin to pray in faith that God answers prayers. Let's don't, let's don't just play the game of punching the clock. Let's expect, let's expect God to move.